Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 232. Have you requested your seven-day free version of the Positive Productivity Planner yet? If not, I want to encourage you to go over to thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP and pick up your copy today. This free version of the planner is going to help get you on track of leading a more positive and productive personal and professional life. Again, you can get your copy at thekimsutton.com forward slash 7DP. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so thrilled to have you joining us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Maddie Niebauer. I got that right, right, Maddie? You did. Listeners, you know I have fun with names every single episode. Maddie is the CEO and founder of V-Chief and has just fascinating backstory, and I can't wait until she shares it with you. But Maddie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Kim. I'm really excited to be here. Maddie, would you mind jumping in and sharing how you got to where you are today with me and the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll start back at the beginning of my career. Um, after I graduated from college, I went in the Peace Corps in Ivory Coast and was there for a little over two years. And it was just a really transformative personal experience. And then when I came back to the States, I managed a tutoring center for a few years. And it was a great experience both to learn about running a business and a, a lot about education, which I'm really passionate about. And then after that, I spent some time at business school, and then I went into strategy consulting for nonprofits and foundations with an organization called BridgeSpan. After that, I started working at Teach for America. And at Teach for America, it's funny, the job that I applied for was different than the job that they offered me. They decided sort of midway through the process that they were no longer going to hire for the role that I was applying for, but they liked me, so they offered me a job as a chief of staff. And I was like, well, what the heck's a chief of staff? But sure, that sounds great. And so I, I fell into that role a little bit, but it turned out to be just an incredibly good fit for me professionally. And um, I had a lot of fun with it. And I was blessed to be partnered with a leader at Teach for America who was just an incredible mentor for me. And we worked together uh, for almost five years with me as her chief of staff. And I really loved that role. She left the organization to go start a new nonprofit. And I was promoted into a vice president role like Teach for America. And so I was doing that for some period of time when she came back to me and said, Hey, Maddie, listen, there's a handful of things that you did for me that you were really great at doing that I haven't found someone else to take over. And I'm wondering if you would come back and sort of moonlight for me as my part-time chief of staff. And I was excited to do that, both because I missed working directly with her and because I missed being a chief of staff. It was a role that I just felt really motivated by, and I loved the variety in the day-to-day, -day, and I loved helping her be a better leader. And so I was excited to do that sort of as a side gig at the time. And then I was thinking about transitioning out of Teach for America and thought, you know what, what I'm doing for Ami, who's this leader I was working for, I could do for other people. And so that's sort of where the seed for V-Chief was planted was this notion that leaders could use a chief of staff, but maybe they don't need a full-time chief of staff or they don't have a budget for a full-time chief of staff. So could you provide sort of part-time contract-based support to leaders as a chief of staff? 
And as I started to do some initial rounds of networking and informational interviews and getting a sense for people's interest in this, I just realized that there was a real market need here. And so as I launched VChief, I made um, the decision to not take on new clients personally, but to hire a team of chiefs of staff who could then be matched with the clients that we work with. And so we started about a year and a half ago and we've grown our pool of chiefs of staff. We've grown our clients and and it's really been a fun journey. I was going to ask about that because listener, in our pre-chat, we were talking about our families and kids and Maddie is also a mom of twins. Yay for twin moms. Yeah, yay for twin moms, <laughs> definitely. And I was just wondering how you were able to manage it all if you were still, you know, because juggling, still juggling. Oh my gosh. Because in in listeners, total transparency, I was embarrassed that I had not responded to the introduction that I had gotten to Maddie, except not to Maddie to say, yes, please get her on my show. And it's simply due to lack of time and my inbox often fall short, which I would have to imagine that a lot of leaders inboxes fall short. Oh my goodness. I mean, I try, I really do try to keep my inbox at a zero, but in one week it can go from zero to one to 2000 and items get lost. And yeah, I don't think I need to say anything more or listeners. You understand Maddie. I know you understand, but I'm so happy to hear that you've been growing. So what does your staff of chief of staff look like today? How many are on it? So we have uh, almost 15 who are working with clients actively right now. We've worked with about 30 clients to date. And then we still have a pool of about 20 or 30 more who have been fully interviewed and vetted and are ready to work with clients. And I'd like to have a big pool because our clients have different needs and they come from different industries. And so having a wide group of people will allow me to find matches for clients that make the right fit. So there's a lot of different dimensions we think about when we're going to match a client with a chief of staff. We think about their industry background. So we have a lot of clients in the startup world. We also have a lot of clients in education and nonprofit. And so we try to have a mix of chiefs of staff who also have different sorts of industry background. And then we also think about what the client needs on a functional basis. So are they needing a lot of help with finance or with community? communications or with HR. And so there are different folks on our team who have different depth of expertise in all of those things. I think what I look for in a chief of staff is someone who has a real wide breadth of experience, sort of Jack or Jill's of all trades, but some of them have just deeper roots in different things. So we think about both of those things. Sometimes we also think about location. Sometimes that's important that either they're in the same city or in the same time zone. And then finally, the thing we think about in terms of match is just sort of personality and work style match, which is probably the hardest thing to match for, um, just given the the limited interaction we have with clients before we are um, making that match. But what I try to do is send a handful of candidates to our prospective clients that they can then look through and decide who they want to interview and ultimately decide who they want to work with. Yeah, I was going to ask you about even communication style, but it sounds like that could very much fall into personalities. I started my business five years ago as a virtual assistant. And through those five years, just the communication styles, and I'm not doing virtual assistants anymore, but the communication styles, 
even on my own podcast, have varied tremendously. Yeah. Just from maybe one client wanting a response to every single email that's sent saying, yes, I got this. I saw it. Great. To other ones saying, no, I don't want it. Just let me know when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have some tools that try to help like suss those things out in the beginning of a relationship, just so like everybody goes in on equal footing and knowing, you know, what they want. And we really try to sort of tailor our style to what the client needs and wants. Right. But there are times where it's important to know that before you make the initial match, because, you know, for example, we had one client who we started with who was launching a new business. And I think she really needed someone to come in as an expert and tell her what to do in a lot of ways. And the person who I matched her with was a really strong strategic thinker, but he came in with a mindset of like, let me really understand your needs and let you guide where the work goes. So that's sort of an example of where there was a mismatch of sort of personalities or work styles that, you know, didn't work out. And and because we have this pools of chiefs of staff, it was very quick to figure that out, that they weren't the best match and find her someone who, you know, could come in and play that expert role in the way that that she could value. So Maddie, do you have a chief of staff amongst your chief of staff? You know, it's a good question. I I don't formally have a chief of staff. And there have been a lot of times where I've thought that I need one. I actually, I have a handful of people who play different chief of staff-like roles for me. So I have someone on my team who leads operations. And so she handles a lot of just things I would otherwise be doing, whether it's, you know, writing an article or putting something up on the website or collecting information from our clients, things like that. And then I also have an executive coach who, you know, plays that sort of thought partner role for me that a chief of staff often does. Uh, But I'll be honest that as we're growing, I'm thinking more and more that I should pull in one of my people to start acting as more of a formal chief of staff. Do you have a typical day? Yeah. You know, it's funny that has changed over the course of running the business. So as I said, I've been doing it for about a year and a half. And initially I was still doing a decent amount of client work um, with the woman who, who was my former boss. And I have over time sort of scaled back on that because I wanted the ability to spend my time differently to grow the business. And so I found other chiefs of staff on my team who could support that organization. And I've been sort of slowly, literally over the course of a year, extricating myself from that. And I still haven't fully. There's still some projects that I lean in on, but it's not too many sort of hard hours. The one thing that helped me make that decision was that we as a family decided to spend some time abroad this past winter. So we left in January and and went to South America on sort of a crazy family road trip. And I knew that it would be hard at moments on that trip to find internet connection in some of the places we were. So at that point, I tried to sort of fully extricate myself from that client work. But because, you know, when you've worked with someone for eight years, you just have a really close relationship. And sometimes you have knowledge that, you know, the new person doesn't have. And so it was, it was hard to fully pull myself out of it. But it was a, a good sort of reason to push me. So back to your original question, client work is, is very little of my time now, but in the early days, it was more. The other things that ways that I spend my time are doing business development. And that can look like a lot of different things. It, can be content marketing online. It can be, you know, catching up with old colleagues, going to networking events and meeting new collaborators. It can be doing things like going on podcasts. 
you know, there's a really wide range of, of business development type work that I'm doing. And then I also spend a decent amount of my time um, building our team. So I have someone who leads talent, but I always interview all of our chiefs of staff before we add them to our pool. So that's important to me both to know them personally and also to, you know, ensure they're a great fit for us. And then I do a decent amount of work with clients, whether that's our current clients and making sure that they're getting what they need from our team and also prospective clients and meeting with them and really helping understand their needs and um, seeing if we're a good match for them. Maddie, is there a difference between virtual assistant and chief of staff? Yeah, yeah, there is. And it's funny because the most often reason we we turn away a potential client is because what they really need is an executive assistant or a virtual assistant. And and the difference for me, they're similar in that they both support a leader and they both do that in a really personal way, but the virtual assistant often does that on a more tactical basis. So they might be doing more things like setting up calendar appointments or booking flights or doing things like that. And the chief of staff is focused more on working with a leader to help set their personal strategic priorities and helping make sure their time is aligned with that. So oftentimes a chief of staff really works hand in hand with an executive assistant to say, okay, what is our leader doing this week? What do we need to make sure that she's prepared for all of her meetings and pieces like that? And then the chief of staff will also lead a lot of big strategic projects for a leader. So there might be a project that is sort of goes across an organization, doesn't naturally sit within one of the teams. And so they can often play the role of, you know, setting out work plans and setting deadlines and deliverables, and then making sure that, you know, all of the stakeholders involved are meeting expectations and are, are moving aligned towards that. We also do, I mean, a little bit of everything but the kitchen sink. So there's a lot of different ways that we directly support a CEO. So sometimes we do meeting preparation and follow-up. We often do a lot of communications on their behalf. So it might be drafting newsletters or pitch decks. It might be writing speech notes. Oftentimes we create PowerPoint presentations or other things like that. So there's a lot of ways that we support the CEO. And then also I think a chief of staff will sometimes jump into um, things like hiring or budget creation or, you know, any number of things that a CEO might otherwise be doing themselves. Can you hear me over here drooling? (laughs) I know. I think everyone needs a chief of staff. (laughs) I don't think. I know. Holy cow. So let's just say we're talking about one of your startup clients. When would be the right time for them to hire a chief of staff? versus hiring a virtual assistant? Is it a chicken or the egg type of scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways to test for that is for the CEO to sit down and look at the ways that they're spending their time and imagine the ideal world of how they would be spending their time and and what's the difference there. Like if I should be spending my time, you know, on business development and I'm spending time booking a lot of flights to different events or, you know, going back and forth with people to get them on my calendar. That's the type of thing where it might make more sense to get a virtual assistant or leverage technology that can do that for you, you know, calendar setting appointments or things like that. If on the other hand, 
I, as a CEO, need someone who is sort of a critical thought partner, someone who can take the vision that I have in my head, because most startup leaders are really visionary people, right? But oftentimes they're not sort of operationally focused or right, like systems focused. And so a chief of staff is someone who really thinks in that space and is like, okay, this is what you're trying to do or what you're trying to create. Let's map out what you need to get there and how that should happen. So they're someone who can really help bring a level of strategic approach to a leader's vision to bring that to reality. I'm blown away. Seriously, listeners, (laughs) I may... Well, I hope I never try to pretend like I have it all together because I most certainly do not. However, oh, this is just of many conversations. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Yeah. I um, yeah. I mean, I just I really, really love the role personally on a on a personal level. Like, I really like being a chief of staff, and I've just seen what a difference it can make to leaders, whether it's in a full time role or even you know just five hours a week, can create the leverage that gives someone the space to focus where they need to focus. And also just to have that time to sort of breathe and step back and be strategic in ways that most of us, because we're buried in our inbox or other things, don't sort of prioritize finding that time. And having someone who can both sort of hold you accountable to achieving those priorities and be a tool to get things off your plate so that you can focus on that. It's just a really great benefit to leaders. Breathe and step back. I, yeah, I didn't know that I know. could exist. Wow. Wouldn't we all love moments to do that? <laughs> oh my gosh. I actually, this past weekend, did not touch what I will call my official work computer the whole weekend. So Good for you. Yeah. and Feels good, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. However, I mean, coming in, listeners were recording on a Monday, coming in today and seeing that my Skype basically blew up this past weekend was a little oh, bit... Oh, tragic. But yeah, but I... It was probably actually the first weekend that I have not had guilt for Mm. doing what needed to be done and spending the time with my family. And I'm not ashamed to admit it all, but my four-year-old daughter had to play Mario on the Super Nintendo a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Love it. So, I mean, she and I were playing Mario this weekend. Was it a great use of time? Uh, Yes, I would have to say most definitely because it was not putting my work before my kids for a whole weekend, which has never been done before. (laughs) It's amazing. We all have to carve out that time where we can make it happen. Absolutely. And I know this is positive productivity where I share with listeners all the time about how important it is to step away and spend time with family. And I have had those blocks, but I've never had the whole weekend. So maybe it was just meant to be that we talked today because now I'm seeing that possibility of, oh my gosh, I did it for a weekend. Maybe I can start doing it for one or two or three days during the week when I'm working on business development. I want to go back though and talk about virtual assistants versus chief of staff because one of the things that I ran into a lot when I was a virtual assistant was that I have... And listeners have heard about it, chronic idea disorder, where I constantly have ideas and I, I'm a strategist at art. I am definitely a strategist. And there were definitely some clients who did not want to hear. No, just do what I told you to do and just get it done. But it sounds yeah. to me like a chief of staff would be, well, actually would have been like a perfect role for me because it, there probably would have been more opportunity to use that side. But would you say that that's more along the lines of what they offer and can offer 
the suggestions or even just work with a team to get it done? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely all of that. I think, you know, the, the best chiefs of staff meet the needs of their leader, right? So if their leader is someone who also has, you know, chronic idea disorder and is like overflowing with ideas, maybe more ideas is going to overwhelm that person, or maybe it will excite and energize that person. Right. So, you know, I think it's knowing what the client wants and knowing when to push back on the client or when to, you know, really encourage them to think about the ideas that you're putting forth, whether that's like a crazy new idea they could use in their business or like, here's an idea of a system that's going to make your life as a leader way easier because we're going to streamline things and you're not going to sort of be doing duplicate work or things that are just inefficient, right? So you just sort of save time in the overall pie of time. Oh yeah, definitely. I have told my assistant and also my graphic designer that these are the two things that we are working on right now. And if I ask you to do anything else that's not for a client, if I ask you to do anything else that is for me, please tell me no, because we need to get these done. It's done. Right. Like I, I'm tired of having, as I'm sure many other entrepreneurs are, I'm tired of having a whole lot of 95% complete projects right. and not having the 100% complete ones. So Yeah. And it's so helpful to have someone to like hold you accountable for that, right? Like, and to say, no, we're going to do this and I'm going to help you sort of achieve your goal of getting this done all the way, 100%. Oh, yeah. And I realized it took a good three and a half, four years to realize that all those, well, I had to also admit that a lot of those projects that I was not finishing, I was just not passionate about. I was chasing income rather than chasing impact. I didn't even know what my brand was. And- By the way, listeners, this is episode 232. So you can find all the show notes and resources and tools and everything that we talk about at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP232. However, the week that we're releasing this is actually when episode 200 is going live. And I can't believe, like I actually brought up with my husband this weekend, I can't believe that I made it this far in a project. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the biggest project I have to say that I've ever tackled before now, my wedding dress. So to wow. actually, yeah, it was, not, it, it was not like, it was not at all like a conventional wedding dress, but I couldn't find one that I like. So I knitted it. It only took me a month because it was fairly simple. Listeners, nice. if I can find a good picture, I'll put one in the show notes and then knitting blankets for my kids. And some of them have not been oh. that small, but yeah. you know, those are like the most major projects that I've ever finished. I have not finished a project in my business before that was not a website. Maybe right. Is that right? So it's, yeah, I would definitely need somebody to hold me accountable and just say, wait, hold up. Are you sure that you wanted me to start on this? Because I thought we were working on getting this done finally. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the best tools that your chief of staffs, how do you pluralize that? By the <laughs> I say chiefs staff? of staff. Chiefs of staff. Thank you. Miss Grammar, it's I am though. not over here. Yeah. And your clients use to stay organized. Do you tend to use one project management system within your organization for your clients or? Yeah. So we tend to try to integrate ourselves into an organization's existing systems if they have them and if they're working for them. So for example, with one of our clients, they use Asana and they do a great job at that. And so we just add ourselves in an Asana profile. We assign tasks to people in there and, and it works really well. So that is a great one. 
There are a number of other ones out there. We use a lot of Google Docs, even just within our own organization. We like them because they're great for collaborating. So if you're creating you know, a document together or a spreadsheet, you can do that in real time together and see what the other person is editing, et cetera. So that's another tool that we use a lot. One of the things our team uses just in our work with clients that might be interesting to other people who do you know, client-based work is an app called Toggle, and it's just an online time tracking system. But what's nice is you can assign, you can have different clients and you can have different projects under different clients. And so you just say, okay, I'm working on the budget now. And you just click uh, the button in their web app and it starts tracking your time. And when you're done, you just press stop. And at the end of the month, it just creates a, a report for you of how you spent your hours. And it's just a really easy way to track time. So that's another um, thing that could be helpful to other sort of consultants or service-based businesses. Oh, I love that. I use Harvest for invoicing and time tracking personally. Nice. And I love how it I can invoice retainers to clients. Yeah. And it will just, for me and for team members, and it will count the time that's tracked against the yes. retainer so that we can keep up to date on how much time is remaining. And then we use Trello here. I used to be Asana, but, but the cards, which I know Asana now does, but I loved the cards in Trello. How important are SOPs or standard operating procedures? So I think there are a few things. Like we try to create a consistent client experience in a few different ways. But at the end of the day, I think we try to be responsive to our clients' needs, right? And they're so, so vastly different that it's hard to sort of have a really fixed you know, set of operating procedures. The things that I'll say we do consistently, we try to do the time tracking piece pretty consistently or like the expectations around that are pretty consistent. We also have a resource that we use with all of our new clients called a comprehensive needs assessment, where it's sort of a set of, you know, eight different buckets of work that we could lead for a client and a bunch of questions in each bucket. And then that really helps us understand. I mean, often clients will come to us and say, okay, I have these three things that I think I need help with, but they don't necessarily realize other ways that we could help them. And so the needs assessment really helps suss out what are, you know, the things that are holding this leader back from being where they want to be, or how are they spending their time differently than they want to be spending it? And how can we fit in there? And then what are some of the other organizational challenges that they might be having? So maybe they just started working with a new accountant and they need someone to be a liaison with them. And they hadn't thought about a chief of staff playing that role. Going through this needs assessment will help them sort of know what different things we can do for them and also really helps us map out how we're going to spend our time together. So typically clients will opt in to different number of hours of support each month. So they might want 20 hours of a chief of staff per month, or they might want 80. So that helps us think, okay, well, if I have, you know, 10 hours a week to spend with you, these are the types of things that we're going to be working on to move forward. I'm glad I was muted because I started laughing about, you know, what does this person need the most help with? Yeah. My biggest struggle comes in the 3 to 5 p.m. time block Yeah, when my kids are getting home from school, my uh, older two. It's so hard. And just, <laughs> this is why I work out of a co-working space instead of at home because I can't get anything done. <laughs> but I'm lucky see, my husband's with them. Co-working would not work for me because even though I'm an introvert, I love to talk. Oh, yes. So I, I get distracted easily. Yeah. And I would be so distracted by the conversations going right. around. I have to, we have like a quiet side of our co-working space. And when I need to just pound Ooh. through things, I go hide over there. And, and then people know they're like, oh, your head's down. Okay. 
I'll leave yeah, you alone. Yeah, don't bother. Well, for some reason, that just doesn't work in my house. No. So <laughs> while, I mean, I can have my office door shut yeah. and I'll be recording a podcast. And I finally had to turn off my scheduler for the three to five time block because they'll actually stand there knocking at the door. You're like, hello, I can't get up and answer the door right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, boys, you have straight A's on your report card. So what part of closed door and mom is recording sign on the door? Do you not quite understand? So oh, I would love to hear what the chief of staff has to say about that. <laughs> Tie them up and right? take over their mouth. Sometimes feels like the only option. <laughs> Hilarious. So actually, on standard operating procedures, I love how you, you know, that you recognize that what you have in your business may not necessarily work for every client. But I was actually more so wondering if your chiefs of staff help their clients create SOPs. Oh, yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that we would call them that per se, but I think absolutely sort of the concept behind them, we we do. Um, so for example, right now we're working with a documentary film company in New York City and they have an operations team that has been, you know, under some transitions and they wanted someone to come in and just help them do sort of an assessment of their operations. And as they think about different projects they're going to be working on, you know, like what is sort of the standard procedure to be moving forward with those things and helping, you know, create those systems and then getting their team aligned with them so that everybody's sort of marching to the the same drummer. Yeah. I can see how it would be so beneficial there. I even realized that I was doing so much on my own that when I hired somebody to help me, I fell into the same pit that so many entrepreneurs do where they think that it's just going to take so much more time to train somebody yes. else how to do it. However, if I had just created some videos yeah. to show how it's done, then I could have just turned it over. Right. Now, in the spirit of positive productivity, I recorded my videos and then realized that I had accidentally turned my microphone off. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> So it recorded all the video and then it didn't get the audio. So, I mean, and that was four weeks ago. I haven't gone back. And it's actually my podcast flow of all yeah. things. Like, There's so much time here that I should not be doing. But just because, number one, I don't have the time to train somebody in person. And number two, because I haven't taken the time. Well, I think like delegating is actually really hard. Like you think, oh, it's going to free me up. But then you realize, oh, well, there's all these pieces that I have to do to make sure that goes well. And I think we play a big role in helping sort of coach our the leaders we work with to be better delegators <laughs> and to be willing to give things up. I mean, I'll say we lost a client at one point because she just couldn't give things up to us. Like she just didn't know how to release control in some ways. And so, and I think like she went back and forth in her head, like, oh, does it make sense for this person to do that or not? And here's all the reasons it would be good or not good. And I swear the amount of time she spent thinking about it, had she just like actionably said, okay, we're going to give this a try. Here's like all the things you need to know would have, you know, saved her hours and hours down the line. And so we tried to work with her and coach her and help her get there, but it's hard. Oh, absolutely. And I don't mean that Oh, I'm totally ready <laughs> to delegate, but it's just a matter of always finding something else right. to go in that time because I fall victim to whatever notification just has up. just popped up yeah, on my screen. It's hard. Turn them off. Yep. Yep. I need to do this. I need to do that. And actually I would have to say that last night, Sunday night after the, my littles went to bed, 
I actually wrote down in my calendar this whole week and blocked out time to get things done this week so that I can't use it as an excuse again. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge to do that. It can make a huge day. And then you just have to actually do it and not get sucked into some email chain with someone, which is what, what I fall prey to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, I was going to accomplish this today. Let's get back on track. Right. I think it's well, it's almost two o'clock in the afternoon and I have looked at my email once today, That's which great. is an accomplishment. Good job, you. And yeah, and that was <laughs> thank you. But I I can only imagine. I mean, now um, knowing that somebody else was maintaining that so that there's no emergencies. There should never be emergencies, but let's just be real. People have a great way of breaking stuff. They just do, or forgetting to set something up. I fall guilty of it especially in what I do when I'm not doing positive productivity, digital marketing. Who knows if lead pages went down while I was recording this and now I have to go in and shut off 1,800 mm, Facebook ads, yeah. you know, or just make sure that when the client said that they published a campaign that they actually published it right. in Infusionsoft because clients have a tendency not to do that too. But all those little things, it can be sort of scary. And if I didn't have to be doing my podcast activities because I would actually have taken the time to create those videos, then it would be a little bit more under control. So thank you for that additional <laughs> kick in the bum to get that going. We all need it. Yeah, we all do. What's the most inspirational book you've read in the past couple of years? That's a good question. Um, the one that was really like fundamentally changed the way I thought about creating my business was a four hour work week. And I feel like a lot of people talk about that book and have sort of like take it a little too literally. Like I'd never had any intention of only working four hours a week, but I think what it made me think of differently was, you know, thinking about the business as my time versus thinking about it as sort of creating something and leveraging other people's time to do the work, right? I could serve maybe four or five clients total if it were me. And with my pool of chiefs of staff, we could serve hundreds, right? And so I think it both, you know, financially makes sense and also from a perspective of, you know, providing a service that's of a lot of great benefit, we can just benefit a lot more people. And, you know, personally for me, it allows, I'm not working four hour weeks, I won't say, but it allows for me to have the freedom to live life on my own terms, which for me right now means when we go abroad for long stretches of time, I work a lot less. I work, you know, maybe 10 or 20 hours a week. And then when we're back in the States, and in the in the cold Wisconsin winter um, right now, I don't mind, you know, working 40 or more hour weeks to sort of build up the business so that when we have those stretches of travel, you know, I can scale back a little bit. And that like just the idea of focusing on what your business means for your life in a tangible way. And, and you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're all going to work hard, but, you know, giving the space to have that freedom has been fundamental. And I can't say enough about creating a virtual business and giving, you know, that freedom both to myself, but also to all the people who work for me, you know, they can work from anywhere. They can work on the hours that work for them and for their clients. And, you know, I think that is, you know, as I get to this stage in my life where I'm a mom and, you know, I know that I'm, you know, life is short and I, I want to really maximize today. Right. And I don't want to wait until I'm retired to go see the world or to go, you know, pursue my passions outside of work. I just want to take my honeymoon with my husband that I've been married to for almost six years, sometime <laughs> in the next decade. Okay. Goals. <laughs> yes. Goals. I mean, 
I've been married twice and I have not got to get on, on it. honeymoon. It, it's time. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Find the time with all the kids. Yep, definitely. Okay. I have a couple last questions. Do you give your cell phone number to clients? Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I just had an, a conversation with my executive coach about this actually, because I was debating whether to put my schedule calendaring link in my signature. And that turned into a conversation about what is in my signature, which in the past has included my personal cell phone. On our website, I have a Google voice number, which comes to my cell phone. So it's effectively the same thing. But when it comes in, it has sort of a message before the person hops on. So I know that it's from a work call. So she actually encouraged me to use that number in my in my signature. So I just started doing that. Although I imagine clients will have my regular cell number anyways. But I think you know, creating a little space so that not everyone has it who I happen to email with is probably not a bad idea. Right. But I do want people to be able to reach me whenever they need to. But people don't tend to call in this day and age. I mean, me, at least my clients, most of them just email. And if you're responsive enough on email, that's fine for them. Right. And I tend to be. Yeah. And then that leads me to my last question. How do you set up healthy boundaries for work versus personal time? For me, it's just um, setting expectation for what moment I'm in. So as I said, when we travel, I really try to limit the number of hours that I work. And I'm not overly prescriptive about that. Like if I need to work a bunch to make something happen, I will work a bunch to make it happen. But as a rule, I know that I don't, you know, I want to spend a few hours working in the morning and then go do an activity with my kids in the afternoon. Or, you know, when we're here over the summer, I said, I'm not going to work on Wednesdays. I just want to spend that time with my kids. They're out for the summer. You know, I, I want one day a week to just be with me and them. So things like that help me create those boundaries. And I don't, um, I always save those sort of dinner time hours between dinner and bedtime to be with the kids. I don't work. I don't look at my phone. It's a way so that, you know, we can be really present with them. And, and that's been great. And I don't work a ton on the weekends, which... I think is also important for our work-life balance and sanity. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've been reserving the the 5 to 8.30 slot for my family with the exception of one night when I have a mastermind and accountability call with a group. And that has been amazing. Dinner has been getting burnt less often, which is <laughs> <laughs> awesome in its own yeah. right. Maddie, I want to thank you so much for having spent so much time with us today. Where can listeners find you online and connect and get to know more about you? And So um, our website is www.virtualchiefofstaff.com. And we set up a special page for this podcast, which is forward slash positive. And there people can find a download about what a chief of staff does in more detail than we talked about today. They can also find some more information about the ways that we work with clients. Um, and our blog there has just a lot of interesting content um, for leaders just to think about their own productivity and efficiency and, and the chief of staff role and whether it might be a good fit for their organization. Awesome. Listeners, again, if, in case you're driving right now, you can find everything that we've talked about, including the tools and books and everything at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp2. Maddie, thank you again. My mind is blown. I can't wait to connect with you again after this at some point. Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah, well, I think even if someone doesn't hire a chief of staff or doesn't think they need one right now, I think a really important exercise for everyone to do is to really think about the ways that you're spending your time and how you want that to look different. And if you haven't taken the time to set 
personal strategic priorities for yourself. What are the things you want to accomplish? That's a really important exercise to do. So if you do that, and then you subsequently revisit that and think about that as you're planning out your week or planning out your day and say, okay, how am I going to stay centered in my priorities and not get distracted by everything around me? That can really help you be efficient and think about how you can delegate other pieces of the work that you feel like you shouldn't be doing. So whether you're delegating it to a chief of staff or a virtual assistant or you know, your accountant or whatever other person is supporting you in various ways, just thinking about what you can get off your plate to free up that space where you can just spend time thinking or being strategic is really important as a leader. 